Welcome to the Alternative Story Podcast. At the All Story, we believe in changing the narrative of the life stories as well as of the larger mental health discourse. Our podcast uses a critical psychology intersection of feminist and self-compassionate lens to answer some frequently asked questions about mental health. Hi everyone. For those of you tuning in for the first time, I'm Paris. I'm a counseling psychologist and founder at the Alternative Story. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about an issue which a lot of you have reached out to me over social media and over emails. And of course, I'm talking about the issue of anxiety. A lot of you have written to me saying that you have been facing anxiety not just right now but for quite a long time now and a lot of you want to understand what anxiety is, where it comes from, how much anxiety is okay, how much anxiety is unhealthy, and of course, is there a way out of anxiety? So in this episode, these are some of the issues that I'm going to try and answer. And of course, I'm going to do this building on what I spoke about last time about self-compassion and mindfulness. So let's get straight into it then. Before I talk about how do you manage anxiety, what anxiety does to you and why it may be not really good for you, let me take you back a little bit and talk about one of the basic things which will be useful in explaining this. So this is something called the fight, flight or freeze response. Now, whenever our body or whenever our mind perceives that there is an impending danger, or an impending threat it goes into what is called as the fight flight or freeze response now this is an evolutionary response and it is you know designed to alert us to an impending danger and it allows us to either prepare to fight and eliminate it it prepares us to run away from it or sometimes we just freeze and we're not able to do anything now anxiety is a prolonged experience of the state if i were to say it in the simplest terms that's what it is now, what's supposed to happen with the fight, flight or freeze response is this is not a state that you're supposed to be in for a long time. This is at best a crisis response. So the idea is that once this state passes, your body and your mind is going to go back into a rest and relaxation state. Now, prolonged exposures to this means that the alarm system is broken. So it takes very little to set it off and it never resets. So you think about it. If you think about the fight, flight, freeze response, you look at the kind of bodily and psychological changes it's producing. So typically in a fight, flight or freeze response, because your body and your mind is getting ready to run away or fight something, you will see that your muscles tense up, your senses get sharpened and your cognitive processes become more and more reactionary. At the digestive level, what it's doing is that it's you know pumping most of the blood and the glucose in your system to your limbs and to your senses, and digestion goes for a backseat. And in terms of your thoughts, because your thoughts are becoming more and more reactionary, deeper level cognition or you know thinking about something at depth, thinking about something with nuance, is not something that we're able to do when in a fight, flight, or freeze state. Now, again, remember that you're supposed to be coming out of this state in some time after a crisis has passed. But what happens in anxiety, what happens in this state is that the alarm system has gone off too many times and now it's broken. So it's not functioning correctly and you are in this panic state, you are in this high alert state all the time, which means your body doesn't relax, your muscles remain tensed which means you're going to have aches and pains, you're going to have muscle tightness, stiffness, joint pains, neck pains, shoulder pains, back problems. You're also going to have hyperacidity because your digestion has gone for a choice. You're also going to feel hypervigilant because your senses are very, very sharp. So let's say you're really, really high alert and somebody 
comes and touches you, you may jump out of your skin because it was unexpected for you. It wasn't really a threat to you, but because you were in that state, you may experience the sensation of really jumping out of your skin. Or you might be in a situation which isn't actually life-threatening, but you may start feeling the shortness of breath and quickening of your heartbeat. All of these are anxiety responses. And usually, they indicate that a real danger, a real objective danger is present. And usually, this response or this bodily experience and the psychological experience is supposed to subside when the danger goes away. Now, the problem is that our mind, our brain, isn't able to distinguish between a real fear or an imagined fear. So, take this example. If you have a fear of heights or if you have a fear of water, if you're not going to be at a high altitude or in deep water, it's not going to be there. But since your mind can't distinguish between high altitude, deep water and say a fear of failure, it's going to produce the same bodily response to all of these scenarios. And the second problem is that a fear or a phobia, even if you may call it that, is something that can be switched off. Worry lives with you. Worry goes with you where you go. And worry is relentless. Worry is not going to say, hey, you know what, I've been giving this guy a really hard time. Let me give him a break. Worry is not going to do that. Worry is going to be relentless and it's going to be with you. It's going to be on your back at all times. Worry is also not going to look at the time of the day and say, okay, it's time to go to bed. Let's switch this off. It's not going to do that. It's relentlessly there. So as a result, you're going to be in this prolonged state of alertness bodily as well as psychologically. And of course, since this is not designed to be a state that you're supposed to be in for a long period of time, you're going to feel tired and weary, but at the same time, unable to relax. So if you want to understand what the experience of anxiety is, this is what it is. Now, please understand that I'm not saying that this is what anxiety disorder means. Generalized anxiety disorder and this entire cluster of what is labeled as, as anxiety disorders is a completely different thing and experiencing anxiety is one of the symptoms which constitutes these disorders. I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about the experience of anxiety. So I hope that part is clear for you right now. Now why does anxiety happen? So one of the reasons why anxiety can happen is prolonged exposure to traumatic situations. When we're talking about trauma, we're talking about two different kinds of traumas. One could be traumas which threaten our life. So these could be, you know, life-threatening accidents, life-threatening illness episodes, or, you know, natural disasters or man-made disasters that you had to face, um, you know. And so that's one part of it. The other kind of traumas could be things which don't really threaten your life, but threaten the sense of stability, threaten your identity, threaten your well-being. So think about the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, or, you know, uh, a particularly traumatic failure, either at work or academically. All of these also feel threatening to our well-being. So prolonged exposure, even in a violent relationship, which is not life-threatening, but there is prolonged emotional abuse, prolonged physical violence, prolonged emotional violence, prolonged sexual violence, all of these things can produce trauma and trauma is manifested in the form of anxiety. So these are some of the roots where anxiety emerges. Now one question which people generally ask, is anxiety good for you? And the answer to that, pure and simple, from my side at least, is that no amount of anxiety is good. 
and i know this is going to be an unpopular opinion some of you may think hey anxiety is what drives me to work every day if there wasn't anxiety about losing my job or not doing well i probably wouldn't get up and go out and earn a living so for those of you with that question i would suggest that you listen to the podcast on self compassion and listen to the section which talks about what self compassion isn't and self compassion isn't self indulgence and that's what i mean by saying that anxiety is not good for you if you feel that anxiety fear and feeling like you're going to lose your job is what is driving you to go to work in the first place maybe it's time for you to evaluate and see if this is the job that you want to do or it might be time for you to evaluate whether you need therapy to address this fear because believe me no amount of anxiety is good and again i'm distinguishing anxiety from fear fear is natural fear is ingrained and fear also serves a life saving purpose if in the absence of fear what would happen is that you know you would go into oncoming traffic and not be afraid that's not really healthy for you fear actually is a life saving mechanism anxiety on the other hand is not so let's get into how do we address anxiety now obviously this is not an exhaustive um, you know resource to deal with anxiety but here are some directions in which you can look at so the answer to this i'm going to draw a parallel between you know a personal story also over here so i have a dog you may have seen me posting about her on social media if you don't well you may want to see it now but anyway so i have this dog and uh, for most part of the time that we have had this dog we've had this dog now for 4 years her name is zoe and uh, we have been living with her for the last 4 years and for most part of these 4 years um, zoe's been living alone and my spouse and i we go to work and zoe sits alone at home for the entire day now there have been times where we have seen that she's had trouble you know staying alone or we've had neighbors complain that she has been howling or whining and that she's not been doing well and we tried to understand why this was happening so we read up we spoke to a couple of animal behaviorists and uh, we found that this is what is called a separation anxiety and you know surprisingly enough animals experience it too so it's not something inherently human but also what the animal behaviorist told us was that separation anxiety is not something that your pet is supposed to experience now why does separation anxiety work i'll just tell you why i'm talking about this example here in just a minute so separation anxiety means that when you leave your house your pet starts to howl because they associate you going away with something bad that may happen to you or something bad that they may happen to them they may fear abandonment they may not like being alone so they start howling and whining and if you actually were to put a recorder or a camera in the room you may see that your dog is doing this for hours on end and when you come back it actually reinforces your pet's belief that their howling and their anxiety throughout the day is what made you come back so the trick to break that separation anxiety as we were told was that you know you should vary the amount of time you come back after you go away so that your dog starts you know associating you going away with different outcomes so sometimes you would give her treats when we left so she associated us going away with a pleasant outcome hey i'm going to get a treat now these people are getting ready to go to work or she would associate that you know if i sit quietly for some time they might come back so that was how we broke the singular association between us going away and something bad happening the same thing happens with us with anxiety we start to believe that our worrying is what actually prevents bad things from happening in the first place there isn't an association between the two but think about it you would have done this yourself uh, if you are somebody who finds yourself chronically worrying about your loved ones 
or if you are somebody who finds yourself chronically worrying about everything whether it's job career relationships um, you may really think that things haven't gone bad yet because you've always been on high alert and because there's also something called a negative bias which operates very strongly in our minds we start to believe that the instances where it invariably went wrong and the laws of probability will tell you that well sometimes things will go wrong our negative bias makes us believe that because we didn't worry at that point in time and we let our guards down things went bad so actually speaking a lot of us are saying we don't want anxiety but letting go of anxiety isn't very easy because we've made these associations between constant worrying constantly being on high alert and being safe but we need to understand that the very biological foundation of the experience of anxiety comes from a state of not feeling safe so to say that anxiety is what is keeping me safe is the most you know ironic thing you could say it's the, it's the opposite of feeling safe so step number 1 would be to acknowledge that all anxiety is bad anxiety step number 2 would be to ensure and assure yourself that it's not anxiety that assures that things don't go wrong there are other things that you probably were doing which were more adaptive that ensured that things didn't go wrong you know you could have been working hard you could have been ensuring that you submitted your stuff on time you could genuinely be good at the work that you're doing you know think about those possibilities so when we break that singular story that we worry and therefore bad things don't happen is when we allow ourselves to make newer associations with the experience of worry now one more thing i just want to add quickly before we wrap up for today if we start pairing the experience of anxiety with an experience of self compassion or a practice of mindful meditation our bodies and our minds start to heal and i'll tell you how it starts making new associations and new neural pathways so it's actually you know at a structural level changing our brains it's making new neural pathways between you know the experience of anxiety activating in your mind immediately you're saying something self compassionate to yourself or there is an experience of anxiety happening immediately you are getting into a mindful meditation exercise which is shutting down manually the experience of the fight flight or freeze syndrome so what that is doing is that it's telling your mind that every time anxiety presents itself we don't have to go down that path of worrying beating ourselves up thinking the worst is going to happen so the more different things that we do the more options your mind has to choose from when a experience of anxiety presents itself this does not mean that anxiety provoking situations or triggering situations are not going to prevent you know present themselves of course they are that's a part of dealing with the trauma but the presence of a traumatic event or the presence of a triggering event does not mean the absence of relaxation so this is what i want you to take away from this session obviously this is not an exhaustive resource but if this is something that you find that you have been dealing with if this is something that you find you're able to relate with and if this gave you a different perspective of looking at your anxiety your chronic worrying and you want to have you know richer deeper conversations about it it might be a good time for you to start accessing therapy so that's all for today i hope you really found this podcast useful and until next time goodbye thank you for listening to the all story podcast at the all story we offer therapy online through video phone email and chat as well as offline in bangalore and bombay if you have a question you would like us to address through the podcast or have a request for therapy Get in touch with us at hello at alternative story dot in.